Coming up today on the Lead to Succeed podcast. One of the things I think I've made a mistake um, that it, 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 it was personally, but it inf- influences my leadership is the self-care aspect. I've always had this um, idea that I, I was not the sharpest tool in the shed. I wasn't the smartest guy, but I had to really work hard to just hang up, stay up with others. Uh, and so I think for a long time, it was just all about running as fast as I could. And then I realized that um, I do better in leading others if I'm taking some time. I have what I call my daily disciplines. And- do you want to learn the tricks that top leaders use to get the most out of themselves and their teams? Well, Naftali Hoff is here to help lead to succeed. Picks the brains of top leaders to learn about their challenges, insights, and best practices. Here's Naftali. Hello, Lead to Succeed Nation. It's Naftali Hoff, and welcome to Lead to Succeed episode 114. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Tim Lupinacci. Tim spent the first 28 years of his legal practice focused on helping financial institutions solve complex problems arising in commercial restructuring and bankruptcy matters throughout the country. Four years ago, he was selected as CEO and chair of Baker Donaldson, which is one of the 100 largest law firms in the country. In this and prior leadership positions, he has led the firm through significant organizational change, growth, and the global pandemic. He continues to lead uh, leading Baker Donaldson through its five-year Baker Vision 2028 strategy and the execution of its diversity and inclusion compact. As a self-professed leadership junkie, Tim's journey to stepping up as a leader began 30 years ago as a young lawyer after a disapp- after disappointing a boss with an epic failure. Interesting. We'll have to talk about that. In the three decades since, Tim has studied, read, and grown his leadership skills through hard work, being curious, trying novel ideas, failing, learning from the failures, and getting better every day. This culminated in launching a nonprofit called Everybody Leads, focused on empowering individuals in undeserved, underserved, excuse me, communities with basic leadership skills and confidence to build to better lead themselves, lead others, and lead in the community. Wow, that was a mouthful, and we've got so much to talk about. Tim, glad to have you on the show today. Great, Naftali. I'm very honored to be here, and as I've mentioned, uh, I get a lot of value from your work and your podcast, so I'm just thrilled and honored to be here. Well, uh, from one leadership junkie to another, I'm <laughs> glad you are here. Um, and uh, so, yeah, tell me more. I want to hear a little bit more about your story. I read a very lengthy bio, a lot of good nuggets <laughs> in there, but nothing better than hearing it from the person himself. So, tell, Tim, walk us through your story and how you rose to CEO. Yes, well, I appreciate that. So I, I guess I'll jump in with the epic failure because that really launched a journey. I kind of, I jokingly say I stumbled into law school because I didn't know what I wanted to do in my life. Um, and I don't, I did not have any examples of lawyers in my family. So it was just the next step. And so I, when I finished law school and started practicing, um, I really felt like uh, I didn't know necessarily what I was doing. So I looked at everything as a very transactional nature. I would get a project, do it, turn it in, forget about it, move on. Uh, and I was working on a pretty big ma- matter with uh, a more senior lawyer, but we were doing it for our boss, who was a pretty gruff boss um, and could get pretty angry. Uh, and I did my little pieces of it, gave it to the other lawyer, and then he turned it into the boss. And I went on to my next deal, next project, until we got paged to go to my boss's, our boss's office. 
And he was on the phone with about a dozen lawyers from across the country. And uh, then he just started yelling at us saying that uh, we had gotten our project all wrong. We had miscounted. It was a financial type project. We And we had. We had double counted something. But he said, these idiots are going to stay here all night and get it right, which, of course, is not a great leadership tip of how to lead others. But I mean, I thought I'm going to lose my job. So, um, of course, we did spend, spend several hours. We fixed it. We got it right. We sent it out. Well, I had drawn the short straw to drive the boss to court the next day, which was about an hour drive. I pick him up at the at his house. It's a very awkward silence for about 20, 30 minutes. And then he broke the silence by first apologizing for yelling at us in front of others, which I thought was um, a really uh, important thing for him to do. It was helpful to hear that. Um, but then he said the reason that he'd gotten so upset that he really viewed me as a leader. And he was disappointed that even though I was the second or third person chair down on the matter that I didn't recognize that I didn't own it as something I was trying to make sure was right, regardless if I thought other people were looking over it. Um, and he really spoke this idea into me that I really, for the first time, thought of myself as a leader. And then what does that mean to be a leader? And that led me on this journey of like, I've got to figure out how to get better at this because I really don't know much about this. So that was this big failure that ultimately turned uh, me into really thinking, I've got to own my career and my trajectory. And um, and it led to a really uh, strong mentor-mentee relationship with my boss. And I was honored to speak at his funeral when he passed away. So it's a neat trajectory of how that all worked. But um, yeah, that just led me on leadership journey that ultimately culminated, like you said, four and a half years ago, becoming the CEO of the firm. It's so funny because when you first commented about not really knowing what you wanted to do and <laughs> falling into law. I've got three lawyers in my mastermind group and I was going to share that with them when we meet tomorrow. Let them know that, you know, just, just having fun with you there. Um, no, well, it was, serious... I, I was, I was a mass comm major and I literally like, and, and I, and I like, well, the, the working at a TV station wasn't as glamorous as I thought when I was interning. And I, then I, I, I took a media law course in my major uh, and I thought, Oh, this is interesting. Let's see what this is about. It literally started that way. So. Yeah, that's really cool. But the, what I wanted to get to is that, you know, the idea that somebody is a leader is where we come to those realizations. I think everybody's different. But, you know, I often I, I wrote about this in my book. My first what I recall is my first, quote, leadership moment is I was um, it was a kosher restaurant on the west side of Manhattan. And I was hired by the supervising supervising agency, if you will, to be present because that's required for certification. And I did not realize that in addition to that, I was officially or unofficially also the manager of the restaurant during the time that I was there, because I guess the person who was there, typically there's not all that much to do other than be present and, and look around and whatnot. So they try to give you additional work. And so somebody hands me the phone, one of the waiters hands me the phone and the woman says to me, are you the manager? And <laughs> I had no idea at all. I said, would you mind holding for a second, please? I said, she's asking for the manager. She says, oh, yeah, the, the, it's called the mashkiach, the, the, uh -huh. the rabbinic supervisor. Yeah, he also doubles as the, as the manager. And I get back on the phone sheepishly. I'm like a high school senior. And I had no idea what I was dealing with, if you know what I'm saying. And yeah. so I kind of like fell into it. But, uh, you know, everybody has their, their, their leadership or come to leadership moment where they realize it's not all about a title. It's not all about some kind of formal promotion. It's not about a corner desk necessarily. I mean, it could be, it could be, right. but I think leadership is so much more, um, there, there's so much more to it. It's, it's, it's more 
multi-directional, you know, you could lead up, you could lead across, you lead, you lead without saying a word in many cases. And so I think it's really critical. And that's one of the reasons I talk about leadership. And that's the name of this podcast is to help everybody, whether you're in a formal position, you own a business, you're a CEO or not, to recognize your capacity for leadership, the benefits of leadership for self and others. And when we have conversations with people who have succeeded, who have made it, who have really, you know, taken on responsibility and now cherish and utilize that responsibility to support others, then that inspires people to do better work. I, I totally agree, Naftali. And that's one of the things you talked about the nonprofit I started about everybody leads, because no matter where you've been in your life, your journey to this point, no matter, like you said, title or or position, you lead. I mean, it may be one or two people. It may be in your family. It could be in the community. It could be in your church or synagogue or, or um, you know, mosque. I mean, you lead in a different area. Uh, one of the best leaders in our firm is someone who is a receptionist at one of our offices. Um, and that's not viewed as, you know, this big corner office. But she is amazing in uh, making sure that not only external clients, when they come in, they're taken care of, but even internally, she looks and sees problems and solves them without being asked. She's an impact player and she doesn't have a big title. So I, I totally agree with you. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit more. And specifically, you know, you, you, you're running a big operation at this point. You've got many offices. I, I'm, I'm interested, you know, you talk, we, we talked a little bit, I, I read it in the, in the bio about leading during COVID and, 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 and because of the fact that we're, we're so broadly spread out today, so much of our work is virtual. Um, how do you stay connected with your people? How do you stay connected? How do you stay updated in terms of what they're up to developing relationships? So that's not just an occasional mandate comes down, down the pike, but people really feel like Tim's got my back and he knows what's going on. And uh, he really wants, you know, the best interest for me and also for the entire company. How do you, how do you, how do you deal with that? I think you hit the nail on the head of something that is vital in business today is you've got to connect as a leader, no matter how many people you're leading. And you're right, we're in 22 offices. And so we try to get around, I try to get around to every office at least once a year in person. It got obviously during COVID that got paused. And then we took some actions to try to catch up a little bit when, when that broke. Um, but so what we do, we have in-person meetings of our business unit heads, our board, uh, our executive team, and we try to move those around to different offices. So it's very intentional. Um, we were in Charleston last week for board meetings, but then we stayed over and, and met with that office while I was there to try to maximize that time. So that's one thing is just actually getting around in person. Another is we do virtual town halls where we're very transparent with not just the attorneys, we do it with the business services professionals, the staff. Um, and we do that regularly and do regular updates. And um, we do a biweekly, I call it Baker Vision update because that's our strategy. I'll do videos so they can hear me and see me talking, but then we also have some text. And then something we did um, yesterday, I actually did, I had a session for our business professionals and staff, Ask Tim Anything. And we had, it was almost like I, I talked about it, the concept to me was if, if everyone was in the same office, I could have quote unquote, office hours, right? Where my door was open, people could stop by, chat or whatever. Or I could walk the halls certainly, but but you can't really do office hours <laughs> across a big footprint of 10 states. So, so ask Tim anything, everyone could pop in. Uh, they did some questions in advance, but then they just were able to ask questions about anything. Um, and it just, it does build that connection. And, and, and frankly, most of the questions were more about 
uh, you know, uh, like I, people know I read a lot. What books am I reading? They know I like rap music. What, what rap, you know, it's things like, but they get to know you. They know I love Disney World. So they're asking about that. So um, I think there's, you got to be intentional about it as a leader. And those are just some things we've done um, to do that. That is so. interesting. I would not have pegged you as a rap, as a rap <laughs> music aficionado. Um, well, it, but it is interesting to me that that people know these elements of your personal life and you haven't right. kind of kept that separate because there is a right. mindset you know business is business and and personal is personal and so maybe let's talk about that for a minute what is your what is your view on how much you share and in what way to humanize you as the ceo and simultaneously maybe maintain a certain degree of let's call it um i don't want to say feeling withdrawn but a certain degree uh-huh. of distance in order to preserve, let's call it the the uh, integrity or the um, esteem, if you will, of the position. Right. No, you're exactly right, and it is a balance. I'm 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 very convinced that um, I guess some people call it the emotional intelligence side of thing, like being that authentic self and talking about struggles and mistakes and and knowing about your family. I think that helps us get better as a as a firm in trying to serve our clients. It's all for the ultimate purpose of serving our clients exceptionally. Um, but you're right. Then you've got that balance of there are going to be people that we have to transition out who aren't meeting expectations. And so you do have that balance. Um, I try to do it. Uh, I try to be human um, about myself, my family, things, mistakes I've make, and then admitted that I make a mistake and why we're changing. Um, but also try to have this mindset of a best run business, thinking about how do our, our clients operate and uh, under this idea of being a best run business. And that means we have to have expectations and accountability and, and make some of the hard bit decisions. In that vein, I want to make sure I've, I'm very transparent about the why behind we're doing why we're doing things. There were a couple of questions yesterday even about some areas where you could tell under underneath the actual question was some uh, they didn't necessarily like the decisions that we had made and they wanted to kind of revisit them. Um, and I talked through from a business perspective why we needed to do it in the best interest of the organization. Um, uh, and I mean, I don't know. I think that I don't know if it satisfied them, but at least that's that transparency of trying to let them know the why. But I'm not, I can't mm-hmm. say, well, we're going to change that policy because one or two people didn't like it. So it's a it's a balance. But I think it's really critical as a leader that I am authentic and talk about struggles that's we all are i mean it's a it's a yeah. difficult time nowadays mental health wellness i talk about that um you know and i go to a counselor every few uh, months just to check in um and i just been transparent about it because i want people to be to be able to talk about it and feel like it's okay yeah. to talk about the challenges so it's a balance though you're exactly right it is interesting because you you hit on a few things that all brought together one little clip that i saw online the other day i think it was the um the washington post and I believe they just began a, a series of layoffs. And mm. it was like a sort of a town hall that went sideways pretty quick because I guess there was <laughs> the CEO who was there really didn't seem very interested in actually answering questions. And so, you know, it brings up to mind the the idea that you you do have difficult things you have to share. You do have disagreement. Not everybody's going to agree mm-hmm. with your policy, with your decision making. You want to be transparent, but in in doing so, you expose yourself, if you will, or you open yourself up to potential criticism. So what is your approach? You know, I, I often find like, like, for example, so if you're, if, if you're playing um, uh, professional sports or something like that, we only see 
or you're you're in, you're in, you're in theater we only see the performance yeah. we don't see all the preparation that leads up to it all the hard work all the practice all the strategy all the all the the video review and things like that so right. when people when you show up you show up with you know you're kind of ready to go and so people see it the way it is but i'm i'm wondering from your perspective because in my mind what i'm thinking maybe there's a little bit of a long twisty way of asking the question <laughs> um i feel like most of the success or failure of a moment like that, where you're doing a town hall, you're having a meeting, is in the prep work. It's in the trust building. It's in the mm -hmm. foundational work. It's in the conversations. It's almost like that's the the final the final step of a lengthier process than you just showed up and said, here's what's on my mind. Here's my decision, et cetera. So talk us through how you build equity, how you sort of come to your decision-making processes, obviously without getting to overly specific in, in, in particular instances, mm -hmm. in a way that allows you that when you do show up, you have the maximal ability to not only have people's trust, but gain their compliance, their cooperation, their, you know, getting behind you so that whatever initiative you're presenting to them or direction, you can actually move forward with it properly. Yeah, it's a great question, and Nathalie. And I think it's it's a lot of hard work, right? It, it's and it takes time, which I know a lot of times we want the magic bullet and the, this is it, and everyone trusts me. Um, when I got into the role of being a CEO, I went around to every office um, while I was in transition, and I held town halls. And at that point, the firm had really had some financial plateauing. Um, I think we were under market on salary and benefits for some of our staff, and so it was a. But I said, I really want your feedback. And I, I want us to get better, right? Because that was now it's a, a new day um, in trying to really get better. Um, and so I listened, and it was a lot of vitriol <laughs> and a lot of issues. And I took copious notes, and then I started acting on some of it. Now, obviously, not acting on everything because some of it was personal or it just didn't make sense for the organization. But over time, they saw that not only did I listen, but then we acted based on what they were telling me. So I think that's some of it. I think some of it is just earning that trust by living up to my word you know when we got into covid everyone in the firm uh, we did a um like a, a temporary pay cut uh, to just because nobody knew what was going to happen um and and i kept telling them all year my biggest thing is that i want to make sure that we can get everyone caught back up on all their pay we're doing this as a team we're all in this together um but and and on the second to last day of the fiscal year we finally got the point we actually repaid everybody so that was one they followed along for months saying, Tim's saying he's doing everything he can to get us repaid or get it paid back. Um, and then we did it. So that that helped. Um, and then um, and then it's just uh, I, I think another important part of that is admitting mistakes. Um, the legal industry, I think a lot of other professional services firms have moved towards um, like the traditional legal secretary or legal support uh, assistant. Um, you don't really have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with the, one attorney, one legal secretary. It's really a teaming approach now with all the technology. Mm -hmm. Well, moving from that, from and we were really more three to four attorneys per legal secretary, moving to a team concept where three or four legal secretaries can handle the work of 25 people if it's all maximized with team and technology. That was a struggle and we launched it and it fell really flat because we hadn't done enough prep work. So we admitted, okay, we this launch was not done well. Let's pause. Let's do some um, pilots. And then we came back six months later and now it's fully implemented and pretty successful from all, you know, everything we hear. So I think those are some things that they see 
um, that, that builds that confidence and trust. And you got to earn it every day. Got I got to keep earning it every day. Yeah, trust is so important. I think it's really the the foundation of of how everything goes. You know, if people trust right. the leader, then regardless of how things go, obviously you don't want to make too many mistakes. But fundamentally, right. if you're in a good place and you and you have a hiccup here or there, people will stay behind you. Uh, if they don't trust you, they're waiting for that very first moment, for the very first crack in the armor, and then they're all over it. So right. um, it really, really is foundational, and I think that that's um, so important. So let's let's pivot a little bit within your bio because there's an area that I read it towards the very end about launching a nonprofit called Everybody Leads, which right. is focused on empowering individuals in underserved communities with basic leadership skills and confidence and all that good stuff. Tell us more about it. What's the story behind it? And what's the, what, what kind of work are you guys doing? Sure. Uh, so uh, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, a trusted mentor asked me, what's 10 plus five years or 10 plus 10 years? And I want to, uh, you mentioned the vision I'm doing at the firm. So that's probably another five years. But then what do I want to do after that? I could certainly go back to full-time practicing law. Um, but what I do, and I made a comment just, well, I've always been interested in, I mean, I always I still like to give back to the community and be involved in nonprofits. And I thought, well, maybe I take the little lessons I've learned as a leader to go lead a nonprofit. And he said, well, why don't you start one? And I was like, well, I never, you know, and, and start it now because in five years you can't start it then because you need it. So um, we were in really unpacking that I've, as we talked about both of us being leadership junkies, um, I, I saw in some nonprofits that we work with at the firm, our firm tries to work with some local nonprofits that are helping um, eradicate homelessness um, and moving uh, people into, you know, jobs and sufficiency in, in where they live and, um, and and how they show up in dress and for business interviews, things like that. They're doing a lot of basic life skills, how to open a bank account for folks maybe coming back from prison or folks who are on or homeless. And as I was talking to these leaders, I realized there was another level of training that is like these basic leadership skills that you and I talk about and that we got, um, we had the opportunity to, you know, get learning from that um, now maybe they have the skills and they get a job that uh, they might need to, to think about conflict resolution and working as a team and showing up every day, some of those basic skills. Uh, and so really uh, the idea is to do basic leadership training with partnering with other nonprofits. And so we've been doing, um, you know, hour, uh, hour and a half uh, training with cohorts of folks that are either uh, reentering society from prison or underserved, uh, you know, uh, disadvantaged youth that have struggled that are now on the right path. Um, and so it's very early on, I really just launched it and I've done um, probably half a dozen of these uh, uh, training teaching. Um, we've got a manual built out. So it's been rewarding um, and you can just see a hunger um, for to soak up the content. So it's been it's been very rewarding to do that and uh, That's just cool. starting it out. Yeah. <laughs> and what would you say was the biggest um, uh, surprise in terms of feedback from participants thus far in this training? In other words, some kind of insight, some kind of comment that somebody made that that really brought it home for you. You know, I think the thing that's really surprised me is just the resilience and the confidence that now that they're on this pathway, that these other organizations do a great job in the trenches, helping individuals see that they have potential in their future. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of speaking into them that they are a leader and they can step up and they can own their career. But just the, the resilience and the confidence they have that they are really on a path to do something, to get out of whatever situation they've had in the past. And move forward. That's been very encouraging. Um, 
So I think that's something that really I've taken away from that. Yeah. And I think that what's nice about it also is that, you know, you talked about, you know, folks who were in prison, incarcerated, homeless, et cetera. So, I mean, there's no shortage of, 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 uh, of that kind of stuff going on in our, right. in our country right now. And, right. um, and I, I'm as guilty probably as anyone else, as far as maybe making certain associations or making certain assumptions regarding the character of certain individuals, the storyline behind it, whether they really do have any interest or motivation to change their lives, et cetera, et cetera. <clears throat> and obviously that's a whole conversation in and of itself, but it yeah. is, really important, I think, as a reminder, you know, we're actually recording this conversation a couple of weeks before the Jewish high holidays. And so in yeah. top of my mind right now is the concept of repentance, of, of, of forgiveness, of change. And so for all of us to realize that with the right mindset and with the right levels of support, maybe a little bit easier said than done, but with yeah. the right framework around us, even those of us who have fall into the lowest stratum of society economically in socio socially etc have the capacity to rise have the capacity to grow have the capacity to become something bigger and greater and it's really important for people who are on the other side to not only maintain that view of others just as a general way of thinking about humanity but to then take steps to empower those people and then drive that lesson internally to ourselves as well and say, where do I have opportunities to grow? Where do I have an opportunity to become better and to see leadership in a new way and inspire somebody differently? So there's a lot, you know, kind of yeah. like churning in my own mind as I'm listening to this. <laughs> and I think everybody, wherever they are, whoever's listening to our conversation, wherever you find yourself, not only in terms of your rank within a company, but also in terms of where you find yourself in life to realize that there's always something within you that you can grow in, that you can become better, whether it's for yourself or whether you're inspiring others. And uh, and so thank you for that. That was really, re yeah. really special. And thank you for yeah. sort of putting that idea in our in, <laughs> in our minds. No, I, I well, I, I agree because you right. At some point you could just think, what can I do? Right. Uh, you see the need just even walking down the street in most of our communities. But what can I actually do that that makes a difference? So it is. Um, uh, but we all can do something if we really get intentional about it. So I, I think, um, and, and find out where you can have the best value. So no, I, I appreciate you talking about that. And I yeah. think you hit hit the nail on the head. About Just what walk the streets with your about. eyes wide open and and, yeah. and and always think what can be different and how can I, yeah. how can I be part of that? Right. So, right. so if you, if you were going to list the, the top qualities of leaders, Tim, pre COVID versus post COVID, what would be two or three qualities that a post-COVID leader specifically needs to have that maybe somebody pre-COVID didn't have to think about as much? That, uh, it's a great question because I hadn't really thought about that. Um, uh, I would say, I mean, when we got into COVID, uh, and this is a couple, this is probably like six, but it's real, I'll do it real quick. Um, I came up with an acronym. I like acronyms about how I needed to show up every day. And it was just around the word courage. Um, and and so it was, I needed to be confident it's it's kind of like Churchill talked about, you know, the brutal honesty of the situation you're in, but you got to have that confident hope that you can yep. get out of it. So confidence, uh, be out front as a leader. I knew that um, there's times I want to put my head in the sand like everyone else, you know, like just hunker down. But I had to be out front. I had to be unshakable. The you um, I think I had to be um, uh, C-O-U-R-R -R, resilient. 
I think that's something that's important. And maybe resilience is even more important now than pre-COVID. Maybe we didn't think about it as much, but I think resilience, uh, adaptable. Again, I think we all knew we had to be adaptable pre-COVID, but now it's every day you kind of have to be adaptable, have a yeah. growth mind, have a growth mindset, uh, and to be an encourager to others. Um, that, that wow. so some of those, none of those are necessarily unique post-COVID, but I think that was something that I literally every day thought about those characteristics that I needed to show up. Um, so anyway, I hope you, I hope you got a um, a courage vanity plate down in Alabama because that's <laughs> great. I love it. Uh, I'm okay, actually trying awesome. to get an everybody leads one, but that's one letter too many to fit. So uh, I don't many, have, I don't have a <laughs> courage works. Courage it works. does. If, if yeah. it's not taken already. Yeah. All right. So, so I know you, you talked about this before. So maybe, maybe it's just a reiteration. The biggest mistake you've made as a leader and how you grew from it. Yeah. I think um, one of the things I think I've made a mistake um, that it, 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 it was personally, but it inf influences my leadership is the self care aspect. I've always had this um, idea that I, I was not the sharpest tool in the shed. I wasn't the smartest guy, but I had to really work hard to just hang up, stay up with others. Uh, and so I think for a long time, it was just all about running as fast as I could. And then I realized that um, I do better in leading others. If I'm taking some time, I have what I call my daily disciplines. And uh, I do a weekly Sabbath from um uh, you know, uh, social media and I uh, getting on the iPhone, you know, um, I, I'm not able to do it Friday to Saturday, like a lot of my colleagues that I've talked to and learned a lot about the Sabbath, the real, the traditional Sabbath, but I do it Saturday sundown to Sunday sundown, I get off of internet and everything. Um, so things like that, that help me better show up <laughs> to lead where it, it I could work 24 seven and burn myself out and I'm not good to anybody. Um, but if I'm doing some of that, um, those activities, um, it makes me better show up. So that was a mistake I wish I knew I'd fixed earlier in my career. Oh, wow. Well, hopefully we all should learn from those mistakes. I mean, that that piece on the Sabbath is great. Obviously, I'm mine is faith based. And so right. I do it regardless. But right. uh, I have found that has been such a powerful element, the ability to get off the grid, to recharge, uh, to focus on what's really important. You know, because oftentimes we lose sight and work can be all all encompassing. So thank you so much for that, Tim. And let's now yeah. transition to the rapid fire. And okay. as a north as a northern boy now living in Alabama, <laughs> what is the coolest part of living in Alabama? Oh gosh. Wow. Um it's funny because I'm I'm a lifelong my biggest vice of donuts. I grew up a Dunkin' Donut guy, but Krispy Kreme donuts down here in the South were pretty cool when I first discovered them. I know they're everywhere now. I know that's a real trite answer, but um, but uh, I do love um, I love the the, the uh, I think it gets overplayed, but I think people are pretty genuinely um, you know, nicer in, in just their whole welcoming. Um, yeah, um, there's the, a southern the, there's at, a southern warmth. There really is. No, there is. It's overplayed, no but it. there is. Yeah, I understand. One historical figure you'd like to have lunch with could be anybody. Uh, Abraham Lincoln. I just think it's fascinating what he did and when he did it and navigating through that. Good stuff. A quote that you live by or think about often. Yeah, uh, this is really kind of my life uh, verse, I guess you would say, you know, um, which is from Micah. He has shown you what is good and what does what uh, does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, love mercy and walk humbly with God. I think uh, if, we, if I can live out that every day, I'm going to be a successful leader no matter what. That is one of the most powerful verses in the entire uh, Torah and in the yeah. Talmud actually isolates that that verse as being the essence, if you will, in many ways of of God's expectations of us. So there you go. Right. Good one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A productivity tip that helps you to get more done. 
So um, uh, there's a lot of research, re resource out there to talk about figuring out your most valuable priorities that you drive the most value that you can take no matter what role you have. And, and that's, that's I've always, I've thought about that. I try to do that, but actually executing it has been hard. So I heard um, Darren Hardy as a leadership expert talk about, he gets on, he does his Sunday night planning. He takes a piece of paper, cuts it in four grids. The first three grids are those three top priorities. You identify your most valuable priorities that you can drive most value. Um, and then look at the week ahead, look at your calendar, look at what you're doing, activities, and put them in one of those three boxes. Anything that doesn't fit under one of those three most important priorities goes in the fourth top box, which he calls the devil's vortex. And those are the things in that fourth box to look at, can you delegate or delete them from your calendar to help you get refocused on the other three? So um, that's been helpful to me just to execute on my top priorities and keep it focused. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'd love for people to be able to get to know you better and um, learn more about your work and, and how you're leading others. How can people find you, reach you, uh, connect you with you more? That's great. I'm on LinkedIn under Tim Lupinacci. Uh, I'm also at uh, my uh, email address. I guess my uh, work uh, email uh, website is bakerdonaldson.com, B-A-K-E-R-D-O-N-E-L-S-O-N.com. Uh, and then the nonprofit I've launched, I'm on there too. It's called everybodyleads.org. So love to connect with you. Awesome. Okay. So as I, as I always do, I ask for one final life lesson, Tim. What do you have for us? Um, I uh, um, uh, really like this idea that we can each get better every day, uh, and really look at it that every day I can. What can I learn? What can I be curious about? How can I get better every day to lead others and uh, to drive forward? Okay. Well, if you do that, if that if that's sort of hanging over your desk and you're thinking about it on a regular basis, uh, I'm sure every day you'll think of something. Uh, Tim, it's been an absolute pleasure. Really great getting getting to know you and hearing about all the incredible things you've been up to. I do hope that we have opportunity to get to know each other better. And in the meantime, keep leading, keep succeeding, and keep inspiring. All right. Thank you, Nathalie. I really enjoyed our discussion, and I do hope we can, can stay in touch because I've, I've great, gained great value from you today. So, Thanks so much. Bye-bye now. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode and for investing in yourself so that you can lead to succeed. Before you go, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Your feedback gives the show more social proof and encourages more folks to listen. 